Uh, I'm going to say no one's better than me. But <laughs> yeah, let's go. Blow up. Welcome, Dolphins fans, to the Wednesday, June 10th, 2020 edition of Locked On Dolphins. I'm your host, Kyle Krabs, diehard Dolphins fan, managing editor of USA Today's DolphinsWire.com, NFL draft analyst at TheDraftNetwork.com, and excited to look ahead. This was a question that was prompted uh, by yesterday's Power to the Pod episode, which if you are uninitiated, every Tuesday, I turn the show over to you to bring up whatever discussion points you feel are most pressing to talk about the Miami Dolphins. And we talk about them. And sometimes we get these questions that uh, could not possibly be answered realistically within a three-minute segment. And that was one of the questions that I had yesterday, which was specifically geared towards the 2021 offseason, who's available, who's on the market, who might be a logical pick for the Dolphins based on how we anticipate the 2020 season going, what we have seen from roster allocation from the Dolphins in the past, how we think they're going to handle the salary cap. A lot of layers there. A lot of things to talk about. Last week, at the end of the week, we did a way too early mock draft for the Dolphins, looking at some pieces that would fit. So naturally, we're going to parlay that into this question with being asked, okay, who are, who's going to be on the market with the Dolphins having what's projected to be somewhere around 60 to $65 million in cap space at their disposal, depending on if they elect to give extensions to Raekwon McMillan and Devon Godchow before next offseason and the those players hit the open market. Before we get there, really interesting discussion point that was brought up by uh, Pro Football Focus. They were talking about teams capable of going worst to first in 2020, and they made a nice little case for the Miami Dolphins. So let's take a look at that. Let's digest what Steve Palazzolo of Pro Football Focus had to say and talk about how that dynamic could unfold if the Dolphins were to go from worst to first in 2020. Remember, the San Francisco 49ers last year picked second in the NFL draft. And by February, they were playing in the Super Bowl. I don't think the Dolphins are ready for that big of a turnaround. But to suggest that worst to first in the AFC East this year would be unrealistic would be a bit harsh, in my opinion. Let's dig in. They have Ryan Fitzpatrick at the helm, said Palazzolo. He's the highest-rated returning quarterback over the last two years in the AFC East. Add Byron Jones to that secondary to pair with Xavier Howard in a man-heavy scheme. The defense will be better, and that passing attack is as good as any in the AFC East. The Dolphins, of course, will also have the luxury of playing a last-place schedule relative to the rest of the AFC East. And with the rest of the division looking as though it might be facing a down season in 2020, the Dolphins capturing lightning in a bottle and winning 9 or 10 games might be just enough to get them to first. Whether or not that should be the expectation for Miami Dolphins fans is a very different story. Of course, there's a lot that would need to materialize for the Dolphins to end up finishing in first place. They would need the Buffalo Bills to experience 
a plateau with quarterback Josh Allen, who has exceeded expectations based on what the perception was of him prior to the 2018 NFL Draft when the Buffalo Bills made him the seventh overall pick in the NFL Draft. If we were to see that materialize, the source material that we should be looking to is what we saw in 2019 from quarterback Mitchell Trubisky, who was a polarizing quarterback before the 2017 NFL Draft, quarterbacked the Chicago Bears to a 12-4 record and an NFC North Division title in 2018, his second season, before promptly falling off and, and, and hitting a very clear plateau as far as what his play allowed him to do in 2019. Now, the Chicago Bears have gone out and brought in Nick Foles to compete with Mitch Trubisky to be the starting quarterback. Chicago finished 8-8. Eight eight. If the Buffalo Bills experience a similar glass ceiling with Josh Allen, despite the fact that they are the team that has top-to-bottom probably the best roster in the division at this point in time, the Dolphins have the ceiling to surpass them, but they are a very young team, and Buffalo is has had a head start on their rebuild versus the Miami Dolphins, a two-year head start. If Buffalo hits that plateau, a quarterback wins eight games, nine games, but doesn't hit double digits, and the New England Patriots find that life after Tom Brady is as difficult as everyone except for them seems to think that it will be, with them having tabbed Jared Stidham to serve as the team's starting quarterback, or Brian Hoyer, but otherwise making no big moves at the quarterback decision to bring in a more dynamic option. The Patriots' style of play under Bill Belichick, before the Patriots' dynasty really got off the ground, and even in the early years, in the early 2000s, was rooted in ground-and-pound approach, uh, they played ugly. They won a lot of close football games, and they won with discipline, and they can still do that, and that will be the recipe they probably call upon to try to win in the aftermath of Tom Brady's departure to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But playing ugly and playing close opens up the door for more opportunities for the ball to bounce out of your favor. If the Patriots play disciplined defense, despite the fact that they lost several key pieces on the defensive side of the football in addition to Tom Brady. They may find themselves 8-8, eight and 9-7. Eight, and seven. Similar to the 2002 season, in which the entire AFC East, no team had a losing record that season, but no team won more than nine games. The AFC East finished a three-way tie in first place with the New York Jets, New England Patriots, and Miami Dolphins all finishing the year at 9-7, the Buffalo Bills finishing the year at 8-8. Eight eight. The Dolphins, of course, that year missed the playoffs. They lost their final two games of that season to finish in third place, or tied for first, losing a key game in New England on December 29, 2002. That's the recipe for the Dolphins, if they are to go worst to first. Patriots get a few bad bounces. Bills experience plateaued quarterback play. Dolphins slightly overachieve with a lot of new pieces. If that happens, we could be talking about a worst to first season in 2020 for the Miami Dolphins. RockAuto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds 
of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brand specifications and prices you prefer. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? So go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. So before we talk about who's in play for the Dolphins, we need to talk about what their cap situation is going to look like who's on the chopping block. Of course, the dynamics of, of the coronavirus pandemic uh, are going to make projecting the salary cap difficult and, and navigating how much cap space uh, the Dolphins are actually going to have because we don't know what that cap's going to be. If the league experiences a ton of revenue loss and revenue sharing drops off, of course, that byproduct is the cap may be diminished. But as things currently stand, the Dolphins are projected to own $55.5 million in cap space. Not a bad number. It's a really strong number to work with. And the Dolphins' only notable expiring contracts. Ryan Fitzpatrick, who I would not expect to be back, considering he'll be 39 years old. Matt Breida, one-year, three-and-a-quarter million dollar deal. He'll be 26. Ted Karras, one-year, three million. Kamu Gruger-Hill, $3 million. Albert Wilson's an expiring contract. $3 million. Vince Beagle, probably a guy who's going to get fringe pushed off this roster, even though I love Vince Beagle and what he brings to the table. Elan and Roberts. Raekwon McMillan's a big question mark. He may be in line for uh, his annual average salary is, is $1.2 million. He'll probably command five or six if he plays to the degree that he played last year, but they were able to keep him on the field for a little bit more snaps. Julian Davenport, can't see them bringing him back. Devon Godchow, he's another guy I think, you know, $5 million is probably realistic to peg for uh, a, an extension. So assuming they sign both of those guys for $5 million, increases uh they can bring back some of these other restricted free agents like nick needham stands out as one that they'll bring back but because he's a restricted free agent they can bring him back for you know pennies on the dollar and i don't expect he'll get the snaps this year barring injury uh to have a lot of leverage and, and demand an extension in the here and now so they'll probably, you know, between unrestricted free agents and only the top 51 count against the cap in the offseason anyway. Um, probably $45 million is what we're looking at entering free agency, barring the Dolphins cutting ties with any significant players. Um, Xavier Howard has... Uh, guaranteed salary this year. He does not have guaranteed money 
next year. So if you wanted to start like putting your tinfoil caps on and thinking of you know who might be on the, the chopping block, Xavier Howard, if he struggles with durability again, might be a, a candidate to free up uh, approximately $9.5 million in cap space next year. Something that we could see materialize. I doubt it. I hope he stays healthy so we don't have to make that decision. Scrolling through looking for other candidates, other cut candidates, there's not a lot of good ones. If Jordan Howard bombs, which again, I don't expect he'll completely bomb, but his cap number next year is $5 million and none of it is guaranteed. So if they get an opportunity in the draft to target uh, a guy in the second round and they really want to upgrade a more dynamic three down, less of a clear niche back, right? Where it's like a guy, you got a power guy, and then you got a speed guy. If they want a guy that can do a little bit of both, you know, maybe that makes Brita expendable to not bring back, and they cut Howard. They save, it's probably going to be $7 million. It's almost enough to cover the costs of extending Godchow and McMillan. So they'll have plus or minus probably... $10 million off of the projected 55 that they're at now. I would put them probably, I'd say they sit right where they're at. Maybe a little less. Between 50 and 55 is I think where they'll end up sitting. Just based on how we expect their long-term commitments to their new assets to be, I don't see a lot of these. I think the short-term deals are telling, right? Like Ted Kerr signed a one-year prove-it deal. But they're going to have an opportunity to bring in in what is looking like a pretty solid interior offensive line group and another solid running back class. They may opt for rookies because, again, they're cheaper and you're getting a better player. That's the appeal of building through the draft. So we're going to have over $50 million, barring a salary cap cut, to work with, which is great. Now the question then becomes, okay, who are the available free agents in 2021 that would make the most sense for the Miami Dolphins. Glad you asked. That's why we put this off yesterday to do it today. Um, don't expect, I mean, if, if you're just looking strictly at the top names, you've got some guys on franchise tags. You've got some guys who are you know, a little bit longer in the tooth. Uh, so I'll, I'm on overthecap.com for 2021 free agency. And I want to read you guys the top names, and, and see who jumps out. Dak Prescott, franchise tag. Probably won't be on the franchise tag for very long uh, unless the Cowboys keep screwing around. Jacoby Brissett, Phillip Rivers, A.J. Green, Yannick Ngakwe, who is probably going to be on the move. I don't think he fits great with what the Dolphins' stereotypes suggest they would gravitate towards. Uh, Olivier Vernon, who's on the wrong side of 30. Matt Judon, who will be 29 next year and will probably command, if he puts up another season like he did this past year, he's probably going to command 18 mil plus per year. Leonard Williams, defensive lineman from the Giants. Chris Jones, who's on the franchise tag. Uh, Pass rusher Melvin Ingram, who's on the wrong side of 30. Shaq Barrett, who will be 29 and if has another repeat year. He had like 20 sacks last year. Uh, but I don't think he fits great with what the Dolphins are doing anyway. Uh, Bud Dupree, franchise tag. Brandon Scherf, franchise tag. Joe Thune, franchise tag. Patrick Peterson, Allen Robinson, 
Russell Okung, who's on the wrong side of 30, Trent Williams, who's probably going to get extended on a deal because the 49ers just traded for him. Like, these are the top names. Justin Simmons on the franchise tag, Anthony Harris on the franchise tag. A lot of these franchise tag guys, Hunter Henry, are probably going to be getting extensions between now. Then the teams are apprehensive on that spending because they they want a better idea of how the league is going to handle uh, the sales and, and revenue. And are fans going to be allowed to be in full force at stadiums across the country. And if they are, okay, it's full steam ahead. Like, we'll start spending again. But we don't want to drop all this money into extensions for guys that we have under control for the here and now when we may sign them to a long-term extent. Chris Jones is an example with Kansas City Chiefs, right? Knowing that they're going to have to extend Mahomes here in the near future. You don't want to sign Chris Jones to a five-year, $90 million contract as an example. And then find out, okay, now Mahomes wants his extension, but the salary cap is $25 million less than what it was last year. You're boned. You can't do it. Like, you can't do it. So that's why all these guys on franchise tag, they're going to sit until we get some clarity. Uh, So I would not expect a lot of these names to be available for the Dolphins, and that's okay, because I don't think the Dolphins, despite the fact that they have the cap space, I don't think they're going to come out super red hot, eager to spend a ton of money. Although, if you're looking to spend some money, might I recommend a box of Built Bar? You can go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON to save $10 off your first box. And let me tell you why you should do that. Built Bar Protein Bars are a protein bar that has as much protein as your typical protein bar, but has one-seventh the carbs and sugar of your average protein bar. And these things are delicious. They eat like candy bars. You ever eat a, a... a protein bar and you're worried you're going to break off like a tooth or something when you bite into it just because it's it's chalky and hard and it it's just not a pleasant experience to try and find a meal replacement worth your time but built bar has managed to find that right balance between a delicious bar and all the right macronutrients that can help you keep your diet and calorie t- intake exactly where you want it to be so go to BillPar.com, use promo code LOCKEDON, save $10 off your first box, find out what all the fuss is about, and make sure you tweet at us, at LOCKEDONFINSPH, or at GrindingTheTape, when you get your box, because I want to know what flavors you got so I can live vicariously through each and every one of you. So who are the names we need to know? who's available in free agency, that may or may not be top names. I think the easiest way to go about doing this is to line these guys up in accordance to age. I think the younger you are, the more likely you are that the Dolphins are going to take an interest in you. I think Curtis Samuel wide receiver from the Carolina Panthers team that's undergoing a rebuild, and and Samuel was reportedly uh, somebody who was available uh, or reported to be available for the right price uh, this past offseason. He's somebody I think makes sense for the Dolphins because he's versatile. He's got some speed dynamics to him. He's a big play potential guy. He had a lot of separation last year and just could not get targets. Uh, quarterback play there with Cam Newton being hurt. 
uh, suffered greatly between Kyle Allen and Will Greer, and and Samuel had a down year this past year, and, and in a new system, you know, Samuel may not be a part of the long-term fixture. He's 25 years old. I think he'd be a logical candidate for the Dolphins uh, to gravitate towards if he's available as a... He's going to be more expensive than, like, Albert Wilson, right? But you've also got Devontae Parker on a bargain deal, in my opinion. I believe the extension was four years, $40 million. You've also got Preston Williams on a UDFA deal. So you're not going to have to pay him substantial money for several seasons, yeah. I'd take it in stride. You're paying Albert Wilson three mil. You're paying Jakeem Grant. I would be willing to take Curtis Samuel as an add-on and the guy who can really be a beneficiary. Remember, he came from Ohio State. He's used to spread the field offense, which is what the Dolphins are going to try and do. I think he makes sense. Running back Joe Mixon, who's 25, played 60% of the snaps last year for the Bengals. He's one of the better, more talented young running backs in football. Uh, The problem is... You're going to have to pay a running back. And that's why I don't think like the Dalvin Cook thing makes sense for the Dolphins. Dalvin Cook uh, available if uh, the, the Vikings and him cannot come to an agreement on a deal. Cook's threatening to sit out this season, and, and it's going to get messy. I don't think the Dolphins are going to be a team that pays premium money for a running back. You know, I, th- I thought the Jordan Howard deal was reasonable. I think it was a good fit. I think Mixon can fit with the Dolphins and be a three-down back. Do I think they're going to give a running back $10 million? No, I'd be really surprised. They value uh, trenches as far as what we've seen on investments on both sides of the ball this year. And you know, you may say, Kyle, well, that's because they desperately needed the trenches, and that's not wrong. But <laughs> I think philosophically... The running back position is one that I would have a really hard time, especially as a team that's rebuilding. Especially with a guy who has is going to have had several years of high-volume usage by the Bengals to pay him and bring him in. I don't think he makes a great deal of sense. I do think Juju Smith-Schuster makes sense if he hits free agency, which I'd be stunned if they allow it to happen. Chris Godwin's another name, wide receiver Tampa Bay. Pretty exciting guys there. Uh, the problem is... These teams aren't likely to let these guys walk, right? You would have to be either totally stuck in cap, which the Steelers have the potential to be with Juju Smith-Schuster, but Joe Marino and I over on Draft Dudes last week went through the Steelers' cap situation. If they want to make it work with Juju, they can make it work with Juju. It will be a question of if they, because of the depth they have in the wide receiver room, they just used their first pick in this year's NFL draft on another wide receiver, another big-bodied guy who could potentially fill that same big slot role. Uh, so it's a subplot to watch, especially if the Steelers feel like they can get a really good asset. It might be smart for that team to flip Juju Smith-Schuster either at the trade deadline or franchise tag and trade him and then use the first-round pick you would presumably get in return for Juju and pair it with another first-round pick and go get Ben Roethlisberger's replacement. Because you saw what Juju Smith-Schuster looked like last year. Granted, he was banged up for part of the year. But uh, 
I think the Steelers have they have enough options there where they can finagle that, and make it work. But the Steelers, I think, would be wise in a quarterback class that's going to have presumably Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, Trey Lance from North Dakota State. Go get one of those guys because Ben Roethlisberger is not going to be a long term fixture. He's not going to be a long term answer. So uh, Juju might be available for Miami, but it might cost him a pick to go get him. Marlon Mack, running back Indianapolis. The team tra- uh, drafted Jonathan or. You know, Jonathan Taylor uh, traded up in the top 50 to go get him. Uh, Marlon Mack, which means he's probably not going to get paid. Mack is more of a finesse runner. I don't know if he's going to check all the boxes clear enough for the Dolphins to uh, gravitate towards him as a potential add-on, but I will say he's a more price-friendly option than what you would get elsewhere. Yannick Ngakwe, we mentioned... Leonard Fournette's interesting, uh, of course, with the wear and tear that he has, and Fournette gonna he's gonna want a big deal because it's coming off his you know even as a a former top five pick, his annual average salary is still six point eight million dollars. Like he's he's probably gonna want more than that on his next deal. Uh, if you can get him down off that price, or if you can hold him firm on that price, I think a two year deal with a third year option would be sensible for the Dolphins. I think if you tried to trade for him, uh, you might be able to get him for a little cheaper if the Jaguars are desperate to tear down and then rebuild. Joey Bosa, let's not get too excited. Bosa was drafted in uh, 16. He's not going anywhere. He'll be a franchise tag candidate. Kareem Hunt looking to rehab his image. Uh, played less than 30% of the snaps for the Browns last year. Um, he might be worth a buy-low option. But you get beyond that point, I think, some of these exciting wide receivers and skill players for the Dolphins. I look at a guy like Tyus Bowser from the Baltimore Ravens who really hasn't had a chance to shine uh, because he's kind of been trapped behind a deep group. And Bowser coming out of Houston with the, the Cougars, Really versatile guy. Rush the passer, playing pass coverage, uh, good in run support. So guys like that, I think, are the Dolphins' best bet, and I think they're the most sensible direction that the Dolphins can choose to go is guys who have talent that that illustrated that they could perform at a certain level but maybe haven't been afforded the opportunity because of depth or you know mouths to feed, right? You know, Alvin Kamara is a free agent next year. I would love to sign Alvin Kamara. Do I think the Dolphins are going to give – bank-breaking money to a guy like that. No, I don't think, despite the fact that they signed Byron Jones to a record-setting contract in free agency, I think they knew they had to come out and get a big piece, right? Because coming out with all this money, they said, you know, we're not going to sit on it. We want to compete, is effectively what they said. So if you want to compete, you want to put your money where your mouth is. I really think Joe Thune was the guy. Joe Thune got popped at the 11th hour of the franchise tag. Miami came in super late on Byron Jones. You know, Miami was rumored to be really interested in Logan Ryan, who had an awesome year last year, and Joe Thune. Well, Patriots pulled the rug out on, on Joe Thune hitting the market, and all of a sudden the Dolphins scramble the Jets. They spend probably $5 million less on... Eric Flowers than what they were going to pay for Joe Thune, and they took that $5 million and transitioned into the probably $11 or $12 million they were probably 
uh, in discussions or would have been willing to pay Logan Ryan and upgrade and win out of the one, one of the best press man corners in the NFL. Spent the same amount of money, still got a guard and, and a corner. I don't have any firm evidence, but that, that's my hypothesis on what happened this offseason and why the Dolphins gave that record-setting contract. I don't think that's the new normal, though. I think the Dolphins are going to look to continue to be economic. So I'll scroll through some some young names here. I had mentioned uh, Joe Mixon, probably not likely, but Curtis Samuel, Juju Smith-Schuster, uh, Chris Godwin, if they did want to spend a little bit bigger. Uh, but we get down here to some of these other guys uh, that I think might make some sense for the Dolphins. I'd mentioned Tyus Bowser. Chidobi Awuzie, another corner, like his potential. Uh, Dewan Smoot, defensive end from the Jacksonville Jaguars. His team's got Caleb on chase on and Josh Allen. I like Smoot a fair amount coming out of Illinois. I think he, uh, Jordan Willis, uh, New York Jets. Guy who hasn't really had a chance to shine yet, right? Carl Lawson. Undersized, probably not a home run fit from a, a scheme perspective. Samson Ekibom's an interesting one from the LA Rams, a pass rusher. He's a pretty toolsy guy. He's jumped at me a little bit, and, and the Rams, you know, they love their household names, and the Rams are going to be in salary, continue to, to struggle with the salary cap and getting that thing rebalanced. And um, they may, because they've got a quarterback that they're now paying, they may want to. Uh, go out and upgrade with a quote-unquote household like brand name. And if they do that and Ecubon ends up being a casualty, yeah, sign me up for Samson Ecubon. Uh, I'd like him as an addition uh, for the Dolphins' pass rush rotation. Uh, DJ Jones, defensive tackle from San Francisco, was a really you know nice part of the rotation this past year for the 49ers. But of course, when you've got DeForest Buckner and Eric Armstead and Solomon Thomas and... Nick Bosa and D Ford, like an embarrassment of riches on the defensive line, like a guy who hasn't really had a chance to shine a whole lot, but a good rotational player, uh, some scheme diversity there. I think he would make a lot of sense for the Dolphins, and he's 26 years old. We're getting into guys that are 27. I'd still like to take a shot on Hassan Reddick, former top 20 pick. Versatile, never really got a chance to get his feet set. The Cardinals yanked him around a bunch early in his career. He was supposed to just be an off-ball guy. Uh, he was a safety in college and then worked his way up to being an outside pass rusher and bulked himself up. He's like 230. He was supposed to move back to off-ball play inside linebacker for the Cardinals. Well, they had a bunch of pass rushers get hurt, and then they spent half his rookie season trying to rush him off the edge when he wasn't physically built to have success there. And then they tried to move him back to off-ball tackle it's like, or, or off-ball linebacker. It's like, okay, well, you keep yanking this guy around. It never really gave him a chance to settle in. Adam Butler, defend, interior defensive lineman from the New England Patriots, uh, makes a lot of sense. Mike Hilton, uh, another corner from the Pittsburgh Steelers. You know, these are all guys that are making like three and a half mil or less. I think those are some of the names that we can peg. Demarcus Robinson from Kansas City. Uh, this team's got speed for days, 27 years old. Again, because of the depth that the Chiefs have, hasn't had a chance to shine. These are some of the names that I think make the most sense for the Dolphins. Names that have talent, but they haven't broken through due to some extenuating circumstances on the rosters they are on. 
That way you don't have to break the bank. You might not hit on all of them. But because you're not breaking the bank, and you're probably not giving them a ton of guaranteed money, you want to front load the guaranteed money like the Dolphins did this past year with how they chose to handle free agency. Lo and behold, these guys end up flopping on you. You can get rid of them after a year, and you're no worse for wear with your salary cap situation. That's how I would expect the Dolphins to approach free agency. Uh, I really enjoyed looking ahead. You know, we've got all these games left to play. But at the same time, like being a draft guy at my core, like I love the team construction component of it. And I'm going to really enjoy once the games start being played, us assessing those strengths and weaknesses of the team that's been assembled this past offseason. And then once we hit the offseason, we can start to work on creating a blueprint to redirect that energy and effort to make sure the Dolphins have the most complete team possible, hopefully with a young quarterback into a tongue of Iloa that has a ton of success and has the Dolphins fan base energized for 2021. We got to get through 2020 first, though, and I will be here every step of the way to make sure that we do. So make sure you hit subscribe. Keep it locked in right here on Locked on Dolphins. I really appreciate you guys taking time out of your day to listen in. I hope to talk to you again soon. Come on back and see us. Enjoy the rest of your Wednesday, guys.